You're listening to the Not So Black and White Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Sir Colin Campbell and Gary A. McGowan. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's your host, Sir Colin Campbell with Gary A. McGowan. And you're tuned into the Not So Black and White Real Estate Podcast. We have a special guest in the podcast studio, currently in the green room, known as the Jedi of JV, the JV Jedi. All right, without further delay, Russell Westcott. Welcome to the show. There it is. Yeah, there's all the fanfare. Here we go. Some some applause. Man, where's the where's the confetti? Where's make it rain? Make it rain, guys. Come on. That's true. It'll show up. Trust me. It'll show up. It'll show up. Hang on. I got something for you. Here we go. Have some fun. How about some thumbs? Oh, look at that. Well, yeah. Look at that. You know what's the old saying is end on a high note. George Costanza moment. Mic drop. We're done. All right. Yeah, we're out of here. And that's the show. Very good. So we. No. we Go ahead, Colin. No, because um, I remember meeting Russell, uh, I, I want to say it's over 11 years ago at Rain. And here is this guy getting up on stage and he's telling you how you can buy properties with zero dollars. I was like, I need to pay attention to this guy, <laughs> right? So, and then he became known as the JV Jedi, the, the king of JVs, and it's like, when we confirmed that Russell was going to be on the the podcast, it was I was like a little girl, all excited. So, <laughs> <laughs> Russell, welcome. Uh, Gary is oh. going to read your bio, and then we we're going to hear from you directly. Who's Russell Westcott? All right, oh, so wow. I I do have an official bio printed off of. Um, the yellow pages or whatever we call the interwebs these days. And uh, <laughs> the fake news, the face, the fake news network, right? the fake news. So I, I'm about to read a bio and then we're going to spend oh. the next 50 minutes or so figuring out if that bio actually has some substance, but let me let you in on a little secret. It definitely does. So uh, who's Russell West, uh, Westcott uh, known by many as the, Hashtag, here we go, JV Jedi, Russell Westcott is a full-time veteran, Canadian-based, I love it, Canadian-based uh, professional real estate investor, best-selling author, and inspiration, inspirational public speaker, if I could announce it. Russell's presentations have been called passionate, entertaining, educational, and inspirational. At his core, he's a teacher, master communicator, and has moved more than 250,000 people with his books, audio programs, presentations, interviews, and podcasts, and now live streams today here, folks. Uh, he's a natural gift, gift for empathy, mentoring other real estate investors, entrepreneurs, aspiring public speakers. He has built his, he built his first million-dollar real estate portfolio, I love this, within his first year of taking the leap into real estate investing and continues to build and manage his personal real estate portfolio. This is the cool part. Uh, if that wasn't already cool. Uh, Russell has co-authored not one, but two best-selling Canadian real estate books, 97 Tips for Canadian Real Estate Investors and Joint Ventures, The Canadian Real Estate Investor's Guide to Raising Money and Getting Deals Done. That's who we have on the show today, folks. Russell, uh, pleasure to have you here. Is that, is that, okay, A, did you write all that or did you have somebody write that for you? Because that is impressive. I love it. Well, uh, to be honest, it's been writing itself for the past 20 years. Uh, I love it. It's, you know, I got my start to, you know, I, I joke, <laughs> I make the running joke. So how long have you been real estate investing? And I say, yeah, since the turn of the century. Uh, a funny way of saying since <laughs> like right around the year 2000, right? So, so Colin, has it been 11 years since when we first met? Yeah. Has it been 11? Yeah. Yeah. Or well, just over about that. 
I still had no hair and you were still handsome, right? All that time ago. Uh, so and you still, still have nothing all, there's not even a gray hair on the side there, Colin. What, what's, you don't even age, do you? No, and then there's, there's, there's Gary and I over here looking like, uh, you know, we're all scruffy and gray and looking haggard, looking like, you know, with the cat drug in, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think I met. Well, I can tell you when, uh, I don't know if we actually met, but I had the pleasure of listening to you, Russ. Uh, it had to have been in 2008, because that's when we started buying investment properties at a high level. And, and that was kind of our first experience into the Real Estate Investment Network, which you were obviously a member and, and a leader of for many years. But uh, um, those, were, those were the early days of our, at least yep. our investing career. And yep. so when that went in 2008, you had already been investing in real estate for seven or eight years by then. Is that, am I doing my math correct here? Yeah, I, I bought my, I, I got the bug literally right around the year 2000, early in 2000. Um, you know, and the reason being is the bug that I caught was because um, I had one of those birthdays that had a zero at the end. Um, I was turning 30 in the year 2000 and I was having a little bit of a Peter Pan syndrome. You know, you guys know what Peter Pan syndrome is. You just never want to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, so I was having a little bit of a challenge at that time. I was looking for, I was looking for answers and, uh, you know, I had a great job at, you know, fast car and, you know, uh, and stuff like that. It was a Ford SVT Mustang Cobra convertible, you know, flying down the highway, top down, wind whipping through my fingertips, right? <laughs> you know, so, uh, but I was, something was missing. I was climbing the ladder, but the ladder was leaned up against the wrong wall. Okay. And where does somebody typically go when they need to get answers and they need to, you know, they're maybe having an identity crisis. Where does somebody go? They go to, they turn to Oprah. Right. And on the Oprah Winfrey show, I saw an episode with Robert Kiyosaki, uh, rich dad, poor dad. And that little purple book, not the purple pill, but, you know, <laughs> nothing against that, but the little purple book. That's another book, my life. by the way. Yeah, exactly. That's a different book by a different <laughs> yeah. manufacturer. Is that your yes. third book that's coming out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but once I started reading uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it was a paradigm shift to what I was looking at. And then shortly after that, I, I reached out to who I thought was a, my financial planner. In essence, they're a glorified you know, mutual fund salesperson. And lo and behold, they knew the book too, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So it was starting to really resonate. And um, I started playing the cash flow game. I started meeting with people. I started to go to workshops and conferences. And at one of the conferences I went to, hosted by the Canadian Rich Dad, I don't know if you've ever heard of a fellow by the name of Darren Weeks, Darren Weeks hosted a conference in for, he, he branded himself the Canadian Rich Dad. I don't know if, I honestly don't know if he had permission to do that or not, but he did. And at that time, uh, that's when I first saw and met Don Campbell around that time. So it was, it was a little while, it was, you know, year, I think it was a year 2001, 2002. Um, it took me a year to, to kind of get the ground and read a whole bunch of books. And just, I was in book, book phase reading at that time. And then from there, res, uh, real estate just resonated with me. And now don't get me wrong. Um, I had no reason to get into real estate. I had never bought a property in my life. I was in my thirties and I had never bought a property. As a matter of fact, I grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan. I grew up in a mobile home in a trailer park. 
And I didn't live in a house until I was, I think we were 13 or 14, where we eventually built our own home. So I had no background in real estate, never even bought a property ever. And, but something just really resonated with real estate. And then once I kind of bought, got the bug and bought that first place circa 2001, 2002, um, I've just, it was been that spark that just led me on this, you know, 19, 20 year journey. And, uh, you know, 100 transactions, 100 plus transactions later, um, you know, lost money, made money, one got good deals, got bad deals, you know, uh, made all the mistakes in the book, got the T-shirt <laughs> to prove it, got lots of scars and wounds along the way. And, and now I'm just at a place in my investing career where um, I'm just starting to transition into to giving back and helping people. Um, even more than I did before, you know, I, I grew up training and teaching and helping people all along, along my journey with the real estate investment network. I'm just taking that to the next level now is that I've just been so blessed by so many wonderful experience and so many coaches and mentors and amazing people in my life. It's my duty to start sharing that with the next generation of people to come. And I'm a firm believer. If you've been blessed, you need to be a blessing to others. So I'm here to share my blessings with other people on this journey of real estate. Cause guys, we all know that real estate is not an easy journey. It is extremely lonely and extremely difficult and we need more allies. We need more people inspiring. We need more people encouraging each other along this journey because we don't need people catfighting with each other. We need each other lifting each other up on this entrepreneurial real estate journey that we're on. That's a short version of the story. I like it. I like it. So, how you, how you see real estate? Has it changed over the years? Like that, that, it's kind of a loaded question, but the way that you saw real estate, I get you know in the early two thousands, the way you view it now. How how's how has that changed looked, or what does that look like to you? Well, yeah. Here's the thing: is I I wish I. You know, sometimes only time and age and wisdom can be the best teacher. Because sometimes I was, you know, maybe too stupid and too ego driven and too naive to to listen to somebody with some age and wisdom at the time. But some of the lessons that I've learned along the way, I wish I would have known earlier. A couple things. Number one is um, you know, buy based on cash flow for number one. That's a that's a truism, but sometimes we get lost in the numbers and we get lost in the fear of hot markets. We get lost in FOMO and everybody's out there going looking in some markets right now and cash flow is tighter than Homer Simpson in a wetsuit right now. And there's no margin in the business and people are making dis bad decisions and people are making, they're lowering their standards of their acquisitions. And guys, whenever you lower your standards of acquisitions, you start trimming off uh, cash flow. You start making, you know, uh, allowances where they're not according to it, it doesn't end too well if you don't have any margin in your business. So some of the big lessons I learned was number one was buy better quality properties get better tenant profiles in better areas. And one of the biggest revelations that I've come to along the way is I've fallen in love with uh, new construction homes is that we actually will go out purpose, build our rental uh, stock and our rental portfolio. And it's a completely different 
um, ownership experience than some of my 40, 50, 60 year old properties that I originally bought that were really cheap that had bad tenant profiles in bad areas and deferred maintenance and the deferred maintenance just stacked up and stacked up and stacked up and you know lo and behold you have to pay the piper sometime and you know you sit there in some properties maybe you've owned them for 15 to 20 years and then you're you're looking at me go geez I put in 15 years of my life into this and there's just much here right because you just slowly get chipped away of having older deferred maintenance properties that are marginally cash flow producing properties versus getting something that was brand new it's under warranty and i just ran my numbers on for my year ends it was such a clear delineation between my older properties and my newer properties on the financial performance. And it is so clear in black and white which direction I should have went earlier. So if I was to wrap this back up, here's the biggest lesson is fewer, better quality, understand your tenants, buy better properties in better areas and better houses. That's my that's the biggest lesson that I've learned. Because sometimes buying old, cheaper places will always be old, cheaper places. Well said. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us, dear Russell. Now, there's a quote that says, and first part of the quote, that says the best time to buy real estate is 20 years ago. Now, I'm sure, you know, 2001, 2002, you're looking at investment properties and you're like, oh my gosh, the prices are so expensive right now. So, and you've missed out on a lot of opportunities. And here we are today where most investors or people who want to get into invest, investing are basically saying the same thing. So what lessons or what words of advice do you have for people who are faced with that dilemma? Yeah, here, here's the best advice I would give you is, is still make sure it cash flows when you buy it. Because here's the thing is, it does not matter how much appreciation happens in five 10, 15 years. If you can't afford to hold it, it doesn't matter. It could have, it could have 10 X in value, but if you can't afford to hold it, what's it just, what's the point, right? You just don't have, if you don't have cash flow to hold it long-term, it doesn't matter how much appreciation you have. Okay. So that's one of the key things that you just want to do is you want to just make sure it cash flows from day one, or you have a very short term plan on how you can raise the rent, get the cash flow up to be able to hang on to it long term. Because here's, here's the thing. A lot of people talk long term. Everybody's in there. Well, I'm into it for the long term. Yes, I agree. It's easy to say until you've actually been into it for 20 years. Then you can actually look back upon it. There's a lot of people that are real estate investors that are, I would call in the seven year or less time frame that they haven't gone through market cycles. They haven't seen ups. They haven't seen flats. They haven't seen down. They actually, the only thing they've known has been a market that's just gone stratospherically up and they think they're geniuses because the market has gone up. You know, it's not normal for a market to, if you bought a place in November, it's not normal for the place to be up $100,000 in March. March. That's not a normal marketplace. Okay. Hang on. Um, what? <laughs> I thought that was normal. <laughs> what? You're but blowing my mind. Have, What's going on here? People have normalized it. And I, I, I'm on the Facebook groups all the time and people are going, I can't believe my appraiser didn't appraise my property for a hundred thousand dollars more. Oh, when did you buy it? Oh, three months ago. I go, well, <laughs> what do you expect? Right. That's not a normal market, but don't get me wrong. 
um, we're going to say thank you and we're going to be very grateful. But at the same time, rapid growth without underlying fundamentals that drive the cash flow of the business is, is a recipe for failure. It truly is. And, and I say that, ask me how I know. Mm-hmm. That's right. Cause yeah. you know, it, I I've been in markets that had one year was 21%, one was 28% and another year was 58% growth year over three years in a row. Okay. Jeez. And during that time I doubled my portfolio during that period of time. Okay. Um, if the cash flow does not support holding that asset, it's a long slug for years and years and years. Now, guys, I'm not here to tell you what your market will do, but just pay attention. If you start seeing, um, people only talking about interest only mortgages or people only talking about, um, you know, buying something and only buying it on speculation, only buying it based upon a future value. I bought a pre-sale condo and I paid $900,000 for it. Okay, what is the cash flow? Oh, it's negative, but I'm going to sell it before it completes. Okay, well, how did that work out in 2017, right? Uh, it doesn't necessarily always happen. If Don't get me wrong, I love speculation and that's I love the value going up, buy low, sell high, right? Buy low, sell high, but always buy for cash flow. Is, is a core fundamental saying you have. Because if you find a market that says you're buying low at the bottom of a cycle, you have room to run up because of cash flow, and then hopefully you sell at a peak. If your market is already at a peak and there's no cash flow, and the only way to spec- to make money is the speculation, you might get, you might get lucky and it might 100% come to fruition. But what happens if the music stops? And you have an asset that costs you 600 bucks a month. And it, the tenant now, you know, maybe you can't raise your rents for another year or two in a you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, rent controlled marketplaces. Um, maybe that tenant then sits in the place and uh, says, oh, you know, I'm going to choose not to pay you for the next six months. Six months turns into a year. A year turns into 14 months. And then you can't evict the person. All of a sudden, how's, your, how's the appreciation of that property doing, right? You still need to be able to treat it like a business. The cash flow from the operations of the business needs to sustain the property so you can then cash in long-term on, a lo- on the asset valuation in the future. And I actually run a business model. Here's a model I actually run. I actually run a model on my properties that let's say you hold it for 15 years and it doesn't go up in value $1. But you do some aggressive, you get some good strong cash flow and you get some aggressive maybe mortgage pay downs. You, I was just talking with a client of mine the other day and he was, we were working on a spreadsheet. He worked on a spreadsheet on this one property with only like a 1% growth number, but even with no growth. In 13.8 years, by snowballing the mortgages, you could have that property paid off free and clear, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, you bought it for $500,000. And in 14 years, it's still worth $500,000. Zero appreciation. But you have a free and clear property. How much do you have as an asset? How much do you have in your pension fund? It's not a trick question, right? Mm -hmm. It's a half a million bucks. You have a half a million dollar pension plan. And let's say that property generates you $3,000 net a month. You just generated on one property, 
a half a million dollar pension plan that generates $36,000 a year in, 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 in income for you. And with three places, free and clear, you can have $1.5 million pension plan that'll generate $100,000 for you. Right. Or just under uh, what is what's yeah. 36 times three would be a little over 100. 100. Yeah. 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 And there's so much to unpack there. Right. Is I think when we have that notion, I'm going to become a real estate investor. And, and I think we've all been there, perhaps at some case where like, I'm going to go out and buy my 100 properties and or have my 200 doors or 250 doors or whatever that number is. I was there. I'm sure you guys were there, too. And just as you explained, Russ, like it doesn't really necessarily take 20, 30, 50 properties to generate that type of wealth. And if you follow the fundamentals as as you are you know, eloquently so talking about uh, this afternoon, it does only take a few properties to reach some of those financial goals, right? Well, that goes back to the question you asked earlier, Colin, and our differences on what I learned now from then is when I first got started, and for many of you, if you have uh, some of the old real estate investment network CDs, and you maybe have got like CD number one, and it talks about that I have a goal for 146 properties or 145, it was something ridiculous, like 150 properties. Um, that's one of the biggest things that you don't need that much real estate. The, the ratio that I've been teaching and I've been teaching most of my clients to help them build out is what I call the three, two, one free program. Three, two, one free. It's buy three, sell two, keep one free and clear. Okay. Now in that model that I shared with you to get three free and clear properties in say a 14, 15 year time frame, you're going to have to buy nine, sell six, keep three. And with those mm-hmm. three free and clear houses, you will have a 1.5 to $2 million asset base that'll generate you $100,000. And now that is legacy leaving money. You then protect that asset base. You, do, you protect it from you borrowing against it. You put a moat around it. And then you now have the golden goose that will keep laying the golden eggs for as long as you want it to, or as long as your children, your grandkids, you will be known as, as uh, you know, Grandpa Gary or Grandpa Colin in the future that took the, the stake in the ground and put the stake in the ground and you changed your family's financial futures forever because you chose to invest into a program, invest into a real estate or watch this podcast or listen, sorry, listen to this podcast, watch this live broadcast and uh, you decided to make a change. Right. So it doesn't take that many properties. And the model I shared with you guys is based upon a zero appreciation model. Now, factor in a 2% growth or a 4% growth model or something there, the numbers start getting ridiculous. Right. And I believe we're entering into an inflationary time frame, which, you know, go buy a piece of two by four or a piece of plywood right now and you will 100% see that. But that's still it still does not give you permission to lower your standards on a cash flow at purchase. Even though you firmly believe prices are going to be higher in the future, 
even though if that's firmly, if you believe immigration's coming in, you believe there's going to be some inflation, you're going to believe that there's going to be a housing shortage, which are all positive signs for appreciating marketplace, which I say, I believe that there are those things that play right now that still does not give you permission to buy a negative cash flowing property and justifying it based upon speculation. So you brought up something really interesting there, and you, you got into it a little bit, is is inflation. And a lot of real estate investors are, we'll call them just like the, the Sunday afternoon quarterback in a sense, right? They, they have a little bit of knowledge, but yet they perhaps don't understand the financial economics or the economics behind you know our whole financial um, um, field, as it were. On the simplest terms, what does inflation typically do to our real estate market? Typically, inflation to real estate means that the asset will be worth more in the future than it is today. And here's what you potentially can do today is you can lock in your price today and sell it at a future amount. And the beautiful thing in there is you can take debt on it right now. And debt is actually a good instrument to have during and it's a good hedge to have against inflation. But eventually there will come a time where you will want to be debt free. Like there will come a time. And, and here's why, how I know this. Um, if any of your listeners or viewers have been, say, out negotiating with an apartment building owner, okay, and that apartment building owner built the place in the 80s. So the property is probably free and clear, right? Um, first of all, you can never get a hold of the person because usually during normal time they're traveling, we're during, and I, you know, I know you guys got a big snowstorm out there. Usually they're traveling yes. and you just can't get a hold of them because th- their lifestyle is they have no stress. They have nothing to really do. They go, they collect a little bit of the coin money from the laundry and they just do that. They just, ah, we don't need to do this. Um, fun story with one of my clients who was buying a, an apartment building, 11 unit pro- apartment building. Um, the owner only had three of the 11 units rented. The other eight were in different repair states and stuff like that. And he was still cash flowing with only three units. And uh, my client just in there goes, he goes, why don't you fill the remaining units? He goes, ah, why would I want to fill all those units and have all that hassle? And I make so much more money. My taxes would go through the roof. So I just let it sit empty. So, so that's, that's a person who is free and clear, right? Yes. You, you don't have to fill all your properties. Now, just imagine somebody who's levered up to 95% and the cash flow is 200 bucks and you get one notice to vacate. What is your world? Your world turns upside down. You're panicking. Oh my goodness. I got to do a renovation. That renovation is going to cost me $4,700 for floor and painting. And then you're going to go, where does the 4,700 bucks come from? Because it doesn't come from my cash flow right now. So, oh, I got to go dip into the cookie jar on the top shelf right up by where grandma keeps the peanut butter in your own wallet. And when you start pulling money out of your own pocket, doing that, you're ROI keeps deteriorating and it keeps going down and very few people will actually keep um, a tally of how much extra money they put into a negative cash flowing asset down the road. And your, your cash flow just keeps deteriorating to a point where you sit there going, oh, I don't like this real estate game too much anymore. And then you want to maybe quit. Right. So it's just a different way of looking at it. And I don't think enough people like let's, let's, let's just paint a picture here. 
some of your audience members might be where I was, you know, 20 years ago, early 30s. And you're just trying to buy your first place and you're listening to this guy in his, who just turned 50 this year and he's sitting there going, and he's talking about free and clear places, man. I don't even know how to get my first mortgage. And this person's talking about free and clear properties 15, 20 years from now. Have a plan in place to how eventually you're going to have the properties paid off. Because that's one of the things with borrowed money. Borrowed money has to eventually be paid back over time. And there's a lot of people out there that subscribe to the refi to you die uh, plan. And, you know, don't get me wrong during an acquisition phase, when you're aggressively acquiring properties, refinancing, borrowing more money, that's, those are very good tools in your toolkit, but there eventually comes a time when you want to start divesting of some poor performing assets, paying off some of those mortgages to only have the best of the best properties that are just going to be that golden goose that just keeps laying those golden eggs. No, I like it. And I think it was, sorry, Colin. Um, yeah. I just have a comment, then you can pick it, pick it up. Uh, I, th- I think it was perhaps Don Campbell that would always say, maybe you said it too from the stage uh, as well, Russell, was always be selling your dogs. Yep. And, and, and that metaphorically you, speaking, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> well, here's the thing is, uh, it was definitely Don. It was yeah. not me because right, okay. uh, I still early in my career, I was, you know, I was a little bit more cavalier in my mm. strategies, a little more, a little more aggressive. And, you know, nobody could have ever told me about paying off houses and having free and clear properties. I would have sat there and said, you're crazy. Why would I want to lose the biggest benefit I have in real estate? And that's leverage. Why would I ever want to pay off a piece of real estate? Um, get to my age, get to, you know, a few gray hairs in the beard and the hair and stuff like that. Get, get to a point where, where the runway gets a little bit shorter in life and you'll be very glad if you had some free and clear houses. Yeah. Well said, well said. Question there now, Russ, um, cause you used the F word a few times and I wanted to at least dig a little deeper there so we can get some clarity for our listeners, the word fundamentals. Um, apart from having cash flow property, what else should a potential investor be looking for when getting into real estate investment? So just thank you for being very clear that we were talking about the F word and not the bomb. Right? <laughs> <Nice>. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Wait, do, was it, there's a few bombs showing up on your screen earlier. I thought you have oh, a couple exact, of those bombs. Well, I, yeah. No, I've, I've been so engaged in the conversation. <laughs> that we're going to drop a few bombs here. There you go. So. <laughs> There you go. That's what we were expecting. Well, that's or, or, or I show you guys as well as, you know, sometimes we just got to bring in the fire, right? Yeah. yeah. It's getting hot in here, guys. Right? Yeah. Yes, so we're yes, just dropping is. some knowledge bombs. We're bringing the fire. So so great question, Colin. I, I, I absolutely love that. So so here's a here's a couple key fundamentals, and I'm going to keep it really simple, okay? And and some of you might sit there and go, well, Russell, that's really simple. I, I, let's put it this way. I wish I had learned this a little bit, or I should – let me back up. I wish I had adhered to this a little bit earlier in my career. Okay. And this yes. is, comes from my business partner who shares something is we call it the three fund the three pillars of success in real estate. It's what you buy, where you buy and who you rent to. Okay. The most important of the, what you buy, where you buy and who you rent to the most important variable is who you rent to. 
most people do not take enough consideration into the tenant profile before they buy a property. They will just sit there and they'll analyze a pro forma. They'll look at numbers. Oh, it's cheap. It's, you know, where you guys are out your way. It's only $800,000 for a duplex, right? That's cheap, man. They're selling, they're going to sell for two, four million in, in, in five years from now. Five months Most from now. Owe, yeah, five months, sorry, yes. <laughs> After you refi it seven yeah, times and buy right. more of them, right? Yeah. But most most people do not consider the tenant profile, okay? Uh, one of the things that we will do is we will identify our tenant profile. We'll ask them the questions, who they are, what, where do they work, what cars do they drive, are they PC or Mac, what, what uh, Facebook channels do they like to listen to, where do they go? And we'll get right down to, you know, ages, kids, pets like and we'll define it okay we'll define our ideal tenant now that we want to have our ideal tenant in mind then what we do is we go find the right house to house that tenant in the right area okay so for example um i a couple of my recent transactions i bought some brand new suited construction houses in the edmonton area of alberta i identified that i liked having families young school age children typically you know they're you know they also have potentially one pet at the time they like to you know go camping uh they have a ford f-150 and maybe a, a dodge journey uh, um, suv right? Kids are typically under four years, four and two. Here's where they work. Husband works in maybe the oil field services and making a couple hundred thousand. Mom works part-time, volunteers at the school, but then also does some work with the local charity and local hospitals. Okay. So did you see how clear I was on the tenant profile I was looking for? So we found a brand new suited house that we built right across the street from a school. Okay. That's what you buy, where you buy, and who you rent to. We pick the tenant profile, we match the right house to it, and then we put it in the right area. And we've so far in the last year, if knock something resembling woods, have had wood having nothing, have had no vacancy, have had really had no issues. There's the properties are brand new, so they're under warranty. Anytime anything comes up, it's typically covered by the warranty. We had a furnace that went out in this winter when it was minus 400 degrees. A phone call went from property manager to uh, heating and cooling people. They came in, they fixed the furnace for free. I had to pay about a $250 truck charge because the, uh, the, the, emergency service charges was not covered under warranty. So where's something in my older property that would have happened would have taken days and days and weeks and might have cost me 9,000 bucks. This cost me 230 bucks, right? Because you're, you're just matching the right tenant to the right place in the right area. And it's a better ownership experience. And that's at the end of the day, I, you know, maybe as I get my advanced years, sleep at night and going to bed and uh, having a good sound sleep is actually more paramount than ever before. It's like, it's like Friday night and I'm sitting there going, Oh man, it's nine 30. Holy moly. I'm, it's, I've been up late tonight. You know, can we watch, can we watch, uh, you know, for all mankind just came out on Fridays on some, I don't know if I can really make it through to watch that whole thing. Right. So. Friday nights right now is winter soldier for me. I, okay, I'm just, yes. I am, I am loving that series. Anyways, we can get into that later. We, we, we never, I watched, the first one and I just I didn't get the first one I, or not so I didn't get it I didn't it didn't grab me on the first episode okay so this is a, an interesting segue and that's what makes this podcast so great because it is things that are not so black and white right uh, yep. 
do yourself a favor and go with it for another three or four episodes. It'll grab yeah. you, and it it's pulling in. If you're a Marvel fan, and I'm I'm a a mediocre Marvel fan, uh, it does pull in some really neat storylines that you were not anticipating. I'll good, leave it at that. I'm looking forward to it. How do you but like it, that? Uh, Is it that time, Gary? It could the be. Two Sorry. Referrals. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, to cut you no, off. no, you go, Russ. You go. No, I just wanted to just uh, two that you guys would like too is if you if you're interested in some space ones for all mankind is phenomenal. Really? Okay. And Ted Lasso, if you oh guys want a belly laugh, snort out loud, tears rolling down your eyes. Uh, really? Ted Lasso was such a sleeper hit. There's a scene in there, and I'm trying not to give it away to everyone, where he's having the darts at the end, and he's throwing the darts, and and he shares the Walt Whitman quote about, you know, be curious, not judgmental. You will be cheering. You'll be, Daddy Rojas, Daddy Rojas. Two to share with you there. Yeah, I, that's one of my faves. And they just announced that season two is is being released. I think I, think I read in July or something like that. July 23rd. There you have it. Russell Westcott with uh, Ted Lasso update. That's what we come here for, yeah. folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's about the, hang on. Is that the best knowledge bomb that I dropped today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> write that in your, write that in your day timers. <laughs> Very hey, good. If we can't have fun, that's what, what are we doing here? Right? That's exactly yep. it. Yep. So there's, I have about a thousand questions from our first 30 minutes or so, but I do have a handful of questions that it's important that we ask Russ and, and these questions, you know, we call them rapid fire questions. They will be all serious. If you can see my head shaking, no. And, and it's important. Some of them might be one word answers and some of them might not be, I don't know. It's, it's entirely up to you. So, oh um, man, these are the toughest ones ever is where you have to try to come up with something witty. Yeah, some, something witty. So here we go. We'll start off with an with an easy one. Would you rather be texting? Sorry, talking or texting? Um, texting. Texting. Okay. Favorite season of the year. Favorite season of the year. Um, actually, I like fall. Fall. Very good. Okay. No. You might have to use the left side of your brain for this one, or I'm not even sure. Uh, is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? Oh, well, it all depends on how, uh, it depends if anyone's watching or not, I guess. <laughs> oh, I like it. We haven't, we haven't got that one yet. It depends no. who's watching. Okay. First, first, I always like this one. Uh, but, but here's the thing is, um, it comes down to the choice of each person of whether they want to do it or not. Right. Oh, here we go. Now we're being politically correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, you know, I don't want to be canceled here, brother. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. All right. Okay. So knowing, knowing your age, I've got someone in mind for this, the answer of this next question, your first celebrity crush. My first celebrity crush. Oh, I guess it depends on how far back we go. Um, uh, Barbara Eden, I dream a genie. Oh, I did oh, shoot. That wow. would have been a good, I should I have thought of back, that one. Back, you went way wow. back. You went after school you TV way to, back. Yeah, I thought you would have gone to like Angela Lansbury way back. <laughs> He's not that old. How old do you think he is? <laughs> Ouch. Oh, man. Hey, hang on. Wow. Wow. Oh, okay. There's a, yeah, that was an ageism, wasn't it there? Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Um, a few more here. Okay. Uh, favorite junk food. Favorite junk food. Oh, Twizzlers. Like it. Red, like the red ones, right? The classic red, red yeah. Twizzler. Oh, yeah. When they're, yeah. when they're soft and juicy and, uh, oh, 
Sorry. Yeah. You ever use them as a straw? Those are, those are evil. They're just pure evil. Yeah, very good. Uh, is Speaking of food, is double dipping at a party ever acceptable? Uh, only if it's your own. Your own party. And you have no guests. <laughs> your own party of one. <laughs> your own party. Yeah. And I always love this one. Colin right, knows gonna, what's I'm gonna, next. I'm going to preface that. I can actually, I've had some thought about that. I, I'm okay with double dipping if you do both sides. You dub one yep. side, eat, and then you take the other side, potentially. Yeah, but yeah. you do the 180. Post-COVID world, I guess uh, double dipping is, you know, going to be probably a never ever again. Yeah, a double dipping with something. seven layers of hand sanitizer. Yes. Nice. Or Ooh. the seven layer dip. You go one layer at a time, right. right? Hey, we That's could get right. creative on this show. That's right. Uh, uh, an important question. Name one of the seven dwarfs. Uh, sleepy. There it is. Yeah. 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 Batting is a sleepy? thousand. Is, there, is Sleepy one of them? Yes. And I don't know any others because I don't. we've only had Sleepy as an answer on this show. Doc. Yeah. There we go. There's a different Doc. One. Yeah. Doc is one, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. We'll do two more. Uh, cake or pie? Uh, cake. Very With good. With a side of pie. With a, Oh, I like it. Yeah. Pie as, as the al afters. Alamode. And, and alamode. ice cream too. So. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and, uh, and an incredibly important question. The Godfather or Star Wars? Oh. This is important. Excuse me. This is the podcast you've been seeking. Nice. Star Wars. Come on, I should have, I should have hang on. Do you see on my back here? Who, who do you think is sitting on my who do you think is sitting on my desk here? I got baby Yoda here. Baby Yoda sitting there. Nice. There is no try. There is no try. There is no, no try. Yes. Nice, nice. I I love the sign uh behind yourself as well there. Um I remember listening to you speak years and years and years ago. And one of your favorite sayings was exactly what you have back there. Shoot the puck. Are you, are yeah, you still telling people it's a, that? It's a, it's actually, here's, here's the cool thing is I've been around so long. What's old is new again. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm bringing out all the old, old, old jokes and old material and people are going, Oh, that's funny. I've never heard that before. And I keep forgetting. Yeah. I guess I've been around so long that people have not heard the shoot the puck story or the Terry Fox story or the cassette tape story. So it's like, I'm having fun with my podcast and putting out all these materials and, and it's like, I'm just going back into the old tickle trunk, pardon the, the Mr. Dress-Up term here, nice. yeah, the old tickle reference. trunk of an archives of, uh, of all the old stories. And just, they're just, they're, they're new again. And actually people are, are really resonating with them. So I'm having a lot of fun right now. So that's great. So tell us, okay. Tell, tell us a little bit about the podcast and what that serves and, and how you're helping and supporting people there. Well, you know what? It's very similar to the mission that you guys have is, you know, there's there's just multiple different modalities that people um, want to learn and people want to to listen to. And it, it comes back to a core that I shared a couple a little bit earlier is that, you know, I've been blessed and I want to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. And it really to the, the core intention of my life is to inspire, encourage and come from a place of love. That's what I judge my every day on this planet is at the end of the day, did I inspire somebody? Did I encourage somebody? And did I come from love when I was having that interaction? And that's my goal when I have an interaction with somebody is did they leave feeling inspired, encouraged and loved? And the podcast is just an extension to that where I can just sit here in my office. Um, I make the joke as I have a face for podcasting is that um, I just sit here with the microphone and all the gear and I just share some stories. And I have a, a, not only just is it just stories, but it's some very in-depth training 
Like I just released a five part series that I know for a fact people would pay charge $500 or more for that. And it's for free on my YouTube channel and my podcast where I did a five part series of walking through how do you build a, your plan? And then what are the obstacles are going to face that? And then how do you systematically bust through all the obstacles of the five biggest obstacles you will face? And then we did it over a five part series. It's like almost about six, six and a half hours. And it's 100% for free. And it's just my way of serving is my way of giving back to a community that has provided myself and my family so much. And it's just how I want to just serve and how I want to show up. That, that this reminds me of one of uh, Colin's favorite quotes, the Jim Rohn quote that you always bring up. Now's the appropriate time, Colin. Absolutely. You help enough people get what they want. You will eventually get what you want. Right. And Absolutely. that's it's. You've, you've lived and live your entire life like that. Now, um, I know we referenced uh, Baby Yoda before you mentioned Star Wars. You were known as the JV Jedi, right? Uh, and we should have known the answer would have been Star Wars even <laughs> before we even asked that question there, Gary. Now, JV, tell us what that term, because we throw a lot of terms out there, JV, joint venturing, what that actually means and how does a potential investor go raise capital? Yeah. Uh, well, there, there, how much time do we got here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a six hour Pandora's, course he was just talking about. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's Pandora's box a little bit, but no, great, great question. I'm not dismissing that at all. Um, I, I come from a, a school of simple, right? And I like to believe that sometimes simple is best. So let me paint a picture here for you. Let's say, and this is something I use all the time, and Gary will be very familiar, and Colin will be very familiar with this too, is I flash a cartoon on a screen sometime when I'm talking about a joint venture. And on this cartoon, there's three young children on a playground, right? One child has a jar of peanut butter, one child has a jar of jam, and another child has a loaf of bread, right? And the, the one with the peanut butter and jam are standing beside each other, and they're looking at the, the, the one child over there with the loaf of bread, and they say, hey, why don't we get together and go joint venture with that person over there, right? Each person on that playground, one had peanut butter, which is fine. You can eat peanut butter, right? The other one had jelly. You can eat a little bit of jelly on its own, and the other one had a loaf of bread. They can eat the loaf of bread on their own. Each person on its own can, uh, can, can, can have, be sustained with the nutrition on their own. But just imagine you put the peanut butter, the jelly and the bread together, and then you put little heart shapes in it and you cut the crusts off on it, little love notes in the, in the lunch kit. And now you have a joint venture that the sum of each of the individual parts makes something greater than in the individual on its own. Now take that same analogy and to talk about somebody who has some capital, somebody who has a deal, somebody who has an expertise, somebody can qualify for a more mortgage, you put those variables together, the money, the mortgage, the management and the mastery, the 4M principle I talk about, you put those four things together, and you got an incredible deal. And maybe you can go buy 20 places where on your own, you could have only bought two. Is that a good short, concise yeah, answer? Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I need a mic drop noise here. How about crickets? Oh, hang on. There we go. Oh, oh there it is. <laughs> the, the actual one. That that was that was very because I'm a visual learner, and that I saw every aspect of that. Now, for someone who have that knowledge, but sometimes discount themselves and think. 
I still need to bring that money in to become a partner or ask for equal shares in an opportunity. What advice are you giving to that person? Well, there, therein lies a lot of the core work that I do a lot with my coaching clients is sometimes we, we often, you know, sell ourselves short a lot on what we're, we're about to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the best way I can just, I can give some really tangible advice for everybody. So, so picture this again, Colin, if you will. Um, there's a burning house, okay? And this burning house coming, standing in front of the burning house is a firefighter. You know, the helmet, the shield, the oxygen tank, the axe, the hose, the jacket, the waiters, he's a firefighter. He, sorry, they are a firefighter, okay? Um, What happens when most people see a burning building? What do most people do? What do most people do when you see a burning building? They run. You run away, typically, right? There's a select few that might pull their phone out and might dial 911 and call the fire department. But there's actually even a, a fewer select group of people that will actually run into the fire to help and save others. Now, what separates that person from running that runs into it versus runs away from it? I believe the person that runs into it is somebody who has been equipped with the right training, with the right mindset, with the right helmet, with the right oxygen, with the right axe, with the right hose. They've done the work. They've been equipped with coaching. They've been equipped with mentors. They've uh, put in the miles, right? And they've practiced carrying the, you know, the, the dummies across the thing. And they've done the firefighter games. And they've done that. They've equipped themselves to run in to the fire to help people. Okay, now let's take that into a context within real estate is that there are a lot of people out there right now that don't have a plan for their financial futures that are floundering out there a little bit. Maybe they're in a burning building and what they need is they need somebody who's been trained, somebody who's been equipped, someone who watches this podcast, listens to this podcast with with Gary and Colin, somebody who's read the book, somebody who's taken the training, somebody who has a coach, and what they've done is they've now have been equipped to run in to help those people with a good performing real estate asset and essentially you're not providing them with a house, you're providing them with an opportunity to help fulfill upon their financial plan and their financial goals. So bottom line, do the works, do the work, put it in the miles, get equipped, and then the confidence will follow. The more, let's put it this way, the more work you do, the more confident you feel, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. And, and how often have we've had these conversations with, you know, investors and, and, and it doesn't matter uh, in real estate or if you're outside of that and you're generating, you're creating your own business. Uh, you, we, we typically attract like-minded people, which is amazing, but that also means we attract like-minded people that have the same skill set as us, right? How important is it, uh, Russ, to, to attract people when you're joining a joint venture, just as you explained in the peanut butter and the jelly sandwich scenario, to have the differences. So someone's bringing the capital, someone's bringing the, the renovation experience. Like how, how important is that? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's essential to the, to, to the success. Now, here's the thing is, I tell people is you don't always have to be 100% in agreement with everything, but you have to be 100% in alignment. alignment. And those are two very distinct distinctions. 
distinct. That's isn't that the Department of Redundancy Department, right? You, you don't have to be in agreement, but you have to be in alignment. Okay. Now, and I usually break it into to the four variables, which I shared with you guys before. It it comes down to money, mortgage management, like the day-to-day operations, and then the master. Who are those people? Like the master meaning who is the expert? Who has the capital? Who can qualify for a loan? Who has the day-to-day operations? And who is the expert to go find the property and is the real estate expert in the transaction? And if you have, if everybody is only has money, well, you can probably figure it out, but you're going to be lacking some valuable skill on the day-to-day operation. You're going to be lacking some skill on the expertise, right? Or if nobody has money, but everybody can qualify for a mortgage, you need those four variables, right? And that's how I use, that's how I, that I will sit down to this day when I'm having conversations with potential money partners and we will pull out a piece of paper, pad and kicking it old school and we'll draw a line down as who's got the money, who's can qualify for the mortgage, who's doing the day to day and who is the expert. And then what we do is we break those four variables into a weighted number and then they need to add up to a hundred. Right. And so let's say we were doing a deal and you're Gary, you're bringing the money and Colin, you're bringing the mortgage and I'm doing the rest. Right. And we valued that the money is worth 20, the mortgage is worth 20 and then the rest is worth, um, um, 2060. 60. 60. 60. So it would be a, it would be a 20, 20, 60 split. Right. Or yeah. we would negotiate that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that that's important. And it, and I think the, the same can be said as you, as you described earlier, you know, you know, who, who your exact tenant needs to be. Right. And, and it's, it's the kind of the same conversation in a sense, you know, people often come to, I know all three of us and say, I want to start buying investment properties. Perfect. Have you thought about what kind of tenant you want? Because that's going to determine what type of property you buy and so on. And and similar to this, right, Russ? Like we really need to get very crystal clear on who we want to partner with. Is that right? Yep. Well, and then I take it a step further with the conversation I have with people too, is um, I, I, I get down to the, the most important metric to me is a little bit of the, you know, the time, right? The return on time and a little bit of the pain in the factor. So, Here's the thing that we want to do is I will ask a lot of people is like, how busy is your life? Like, do you have, you have five kids, you're going from this place to this place and you're, you're pulling your hair out. You don't know what you're doing. You've got a job, spouse works, you both work. You don't have a lot of time to really focus on these kind of things. Right? So for example, somebody in that situation that has no time, but they maybe have some capital and they can pull this off. Someone like that, in order for them to go execute a burr strategy or a renovation project or a flip would be absolutely ridiculous because you just don't have the time to do it, right? You might want to then really focus in on something that's turnkey, purpose built, management in place, write a check, qualify for a mortgage, right? Partner with somebody that knows what they're doing. They'll go negotiate on a six pack of houses for you. And you only want one of them, but he negotiated a six pack price. You know, lo and behold, come talk to me. I'll help you out. I'll help you alleviate that. And for an exchange of two weeks of your time, I'll, I'll give you five to 10 years of mine and my expertise and my 20 years of experience and all my team and all my expertise. And I'll get you in touch with a really good asset and I'll just take care of all the details for you. Can you tell I've had that conversation a few times? (laughs) (laughs) That's what we love. That's what we love. Perfect. So 
There, there's a lot of things that you're doing to support uh, support your peers, support uh, aspiring investors. Uh, who who do you love working with right now? Uh, you know, I there's I have two two distinct groups of people that are coming to me. Um, group number one is. Um, people just getting started, I call them, and don't get me wrong when I just say that I'm going to name an age, but it, it falls that it's typically they're like 27 to 35. Okay. And they're new in the game and they're wanting to get started and they're looking to somebody that has the expertise 20 years in the business, somebody who's been in all the market cycles. They're seeing that and they see all these success stories and they see people that are, you know, like, don't get me wrong, all the people, they have incredible intentions, but somebody who's only been involved in real estate for five years does not have the wisdom that somebody who's been in it in 20 years. Okay. It's just, it's just a fact. Okay. But there is a group of people young looking for guidance, looking for leadership, and they're just coming and they're resonating with the message that I'm talking about. And they're just looking for, you know, essentially what Don Campbell did to me back when I got started was he was my guide guiding light and my northern star and he was the person who i mentored from and now i'm passing that along to the same group of people coming up with all the things that i've learned along the way so that's group number one group number two is people that are in similar age bracket as myself and they're sitting there going you know the runway is just getting a little shorter right we have kids that are going to be going into college or university ages and we also have aging parents that are still and then there's it's called the, the oreo cookie generation the cream filling between the, the oreo cookies right where you have aging parents and you have young children and you potentially have to help both of them Okay, maybe the aging parents didn't save enough or didn't have enough assets and the kids coming up are going to need to help into the housing market. So that group of people are sitting there going, holy moly, the runway is getting a little shorter. Uh, We need to start elevating what we're doing and that pension plan and CPP just ain't going to cut it anymore. So we need some help. Let's go talk to a guy who's been there, done that and who's, you know, investing in real estate full time. Somebody who's made a lot of the mistakes and willing to share it with them. And let's not go down that same landmines that somebody has been there already. So as you can tell, I thought about that a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's, there you go. That's experience talking, right? And and that's what we like to say. And, and and it's, you know, we often call and I from, if we put our um, realtor hat on, sometimes we have these exact same conversations that the subject matter doesn't necessarily change. You know, there's, there's always rock star agents that have tremendous amount of success in their early years. And as soon as we hit like a crazy market, like we're all uh, in right now, whether you're in the States or in Canada, uh, you, you start to have those crazy thoughts, right? The the thoughts that make your hair go away. And then it's truly only the ones that have had that experience that have gone through it, that, that know how to not necessarily know how to handle it, but just know how to absorb that. Right. Well, I got something I'm going to share with you here in a second is, and I can share it with a story, 100% true story of two clients of mine. Um, sorry, I might be a little, I'm going to geographically locate this a little bit. One's out in Eastern Canada, one's out in Western Canada. 
The one out in Eastern Canada is coming back and going, oh my God, I am so stressed out. I don't know. I have to go in with no conditions. I got to go get my mortgage application pre-approved before I go in. I have to be prepared to go with no mortgage conditions. I can't even go see the place. I have to write it $130,000 over list. I, I can't even run my numbers. Ah, it's all frazzled. Okay. Another one of my clients that's buying out in Edmonton, um, I gave them a week to go find as many properties that would fit the model that are sitting on the MLS, just sitting there. Came back with seven places. Three of them were fantastic offers, uh, opportunities. Wrote an offer on one of them, had conditions, negotiated a discount, was able to get an extension uh, because they couldn't get their financing in time. And when they were all said and done, the property would cash flow 400 bucks. Mm. Right. So, you know, guys, it, it, this is a big country. Your, your, your money doesn't care if it invests in southwestern Ontario or not. Put your money to work where it's going to work hard for you to get a good return on your money. Right. It's just they're little soldiers. And you put those little soldiers out <clears throat> into the marketplace and you want them to return with more soldiers. Right. An old Kevin Leary yeah, Kevin Leary and the richest man in Babylon, yeah. uh, as well. Yeah, I like it. And, so and we, I'm not trying to. I'm not poo-pooing on on the Ontario marketplace or any of that kind of stuff. Um, some of the clients that I work with do have are having very good success, but I'm just I'm it's it's tighter, it's tougher. Well, it's tighter, tougher. But I think what what I took out of that 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 story, Russ, is you know if if we have money sitting there doing nothing it is exactly what it's doing it's doing nothing so if there's an opportunity to put that money to work and and not to overextend yourself like we initially talked about you know in the early years type thing but to you know to to create more money to go replicate itself uh, that is a conversation i think needs to be had right yep agreed yeah and just educate Good. yourself a little bit too it's like by all means you know an exercise I gave to one of my clients who was just sitting there. He was not sure about where to buy. And I said, I go, here's what you do. You got 60 days. Go follow the Matt McKeevers, the Matt Pichets, the Gary McGowans, the Russell Westcott. Go follow everybody. Go to the Wind City group. Go to Rise group. Go to every group you can possibly find. You got 60 days to research to your heart's content. And what you eventually have to do is you have to shortlist the thing. You have to start off with a, like 30 places, 30 areas, eventually getting it down to three. But in 60 days, you need to make a decision, right? Because from that decision comes the power because they were wanting to go approach potential money partners to invest with them. Like, okay, if you don't even know where you're going to invest and you don't have the certainty of where you're investing and why you're investing, how is somebody ever going to have that certainty with you? So I would give them the grace to go just research till their cow till the cows came home. But eventually they had to make a decision, right? And when they came back, they eventually got honed in. They're now down to two. And I have uh, my next call with them, I think, next week. And they have to get it down to one. And then they have to operate moving forward with velocity on that one path, right? Because, And I make the often the joke is one of the reasons why I love to shop at Costco quite a bit is because you have a big one and you have a little one, you pick one, right? If you don't need the little one and the big one's too big, then you pick neither, right? But you pick one of them and you have to make a decision quickly and move on because there's not 1,700 brands. There's one brand, two sizes. Pick one, 
move forward, operate with some velocity and then figure it out as you keep going. Right. Yeah. I like it. I like it. And, and yeah, it definitely well said. And I think it's important to say that there's, yes, we're talking about in buying and acquiring real estate today, but we can do that in many forms. As, as we said, they, I, if I were the money partner, I'd be looking for people that have that tenacity and, and, and the gumption to go out and do all that hard work. And then there's other ways to invest as the money partner. So uh, if you don't have that experience, you don't want that experience, look for people like, Russ was, you know, 10, 15 years ago and, and Colin and I were, we were attracting that become the other side of it. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Be, be it, be it until you become it. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So Russ, this, this hour has gone by fast and fast. Uh, we're, we're a little over, but that's okay. I love, I love when it gets going and, and, and I always love your stories because, uh, like Colin, I'm visual and I love a good story. So if you can match a good story with a, with a real estate lesson, I'm all for it. That's what I love. <laughs> well, it's about the entertainment, about the narrative. Right? That, exactly. So, uh, we talked about your podcast. What's the name of your podcast? How do people find um, it? I, I'm not very creative. It's called the Russell Westcott podcast. Russell Westcott. Po okay. I got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think I can remember that. Yeah. If you just Google, if you just Google my name, you will find probably to my website and that's probably the home of everything. And that's kind of the hub of everything is the website. And, and when you start typing into Google you know, and you go Russell and you start typing into W E S T, it'll probably come up as Russell Westbrook. I'm not him. And you'll get the joke if you actually do that, right? So. Okay. Well, that'll be the first thing that I do when this when this <laughs> is over. Uh, very good. And that's how people get a hold of you through your website. Is that the is that's, that the best that'd way? That'd be the, the easiest way. Yeah, that'd be the that's the hub. Uh, very good. Very good. Very good. Well, Russ, uh, that brings us to the end of the Not So Black and White Real Estate Podcast. Uh, a real pleasure. Um, I, I know when we've had the opportunity to, you've come and spoken at some of my workshops in the past, and, and I said it then, I'll say it again. Uh, listening to uh, your guidance many, many, many years ago has certainly set the stage for my family's life and it changed our trajectory. So again, publicly, thank you for that. And uh, I know that I'm not the only story like that out there. So thank you for that, for sure. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. And, and you know, what you guys are doing here is you're inspiring the next, Jer the next Gary's and the next Collins, the next generation of people. And I just wanted to just, you know, guys, if I had a hat on, I would do a tip of the hat. But why don't we just do a little <laughs> yeah, salute? Have it. And I just wanted to salute you guys for all the work and hard work you guys put into these. It, it's, this isn't easy what you guys are doing and you make it look so seamless and you got the, the lower thirds and you got graphics <laughs> and you got big voiceovers and you guys are just Gary, I, I made the joke before we started all those years of us being in the president of the AV club and having no dates on Friday night. It's starting to pay off, isn't it? Finally. Yeah. 30 some <laughs> odd years later. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I didn't mean to make a joke. I just did want to mm. reverse that. Um, gratitude and you guys are doing a great a, a wonderful job and just keep going please Appreciate we need it. more thank you need yeah more. thank you as always thank you so uh for, of course for russellwestcott.com uh, that's how you can find it certainly reach out to russ there thanks for being with us uh, this afternoon russ and for sir colin campbell i'm gary mcgowan and this is the not so black and white real estate podcast we'll see everybody on the next episode bye for now 
We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to click the subscribe button so new episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. Please help us reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on your podcast player of choice. Now go make it an amazing day for somebody.